We'll continue in chapter 3 of Daniel. Daniel 3, 16, and then 17 and 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. These were dark days for conquered and scattered Judah. And of course, these three Hebrew children, we call them, were carried away captive as a result of the conquered kingdom of Judah. But in this environment, they stood tall, proving that in a lesser adversarial environment, we can stand tall. We probably will not face what these three faced, so we can be assured if God helped them to stand, we can also. I guess youth camp is also on my mind. And whether you attended youth camp or are younger or are older, we can rest assured that God will help us to stand no matter what we face. In this account, we have the king. Daniel interpreted his dream uh, earlier and Perhaps that's the result of him building this image. When Daniel interpreted that dream of the image that came to Nebuchadnezzar's mind in a dream, he told the king, Thou art the head of gold. That must have stuck with Nebuchadnezzar because he didn't just build an image with a head of gold, he built an image entirely of gold. He had told his uh, soothsayers and counselors that they needed to not only interpret his dream but also tell him what the dream was. He claimed not to know the dream. Well, he was not a man of integrity, so I have a hunch he knew his dream but was only testing to see if they were going to try to beguile him. Uh, whether he did or didn't, that's uh, for anyone to uh, judge, but one thing is sure, those who uh, came to him and declared nobody can uh, tell you your dream, let alone interpret a dream that they uh, have not heard. But Daniel said his God could provide that, and he did. And so he, he gave him the, that dream and its meaning, including the fact that Nebuchadnezzar was that head of gold, but uh, that stuck with Nebuchadnezzar, but the rest of the interpretation of the dream evidently did not, because Daniel also told him that there would emerge a stone cut out of a, cut out of a mountain that should um, destroy that huge image. Either way, the king built that image and commanded that his subject worship the image. Perhaps the king represents the devil who commands that we worship him or his ideas. <clears throat> he bullies, uh, he threatens, 
he slanders, he accuses, he seduces. We live in a world where the enemy of our soul does exist, and we must be alert to that so we can discern his voice in contrast to the voice of God. You can be sure that God's voice provides clarity. That other voice provides confusion. So you can tell which voice is speaking. Ignore the one and obey the other. Peter said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goeth about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So we do have an enemy. This is a spiritual warfare, but by the grace of God, we can stand. Uh, too many have stood tall, facing adversity that we can hardly imagine. So if they did, we can also. So we have the king, then we have the idol. Of course, you know, an idol is anything or anyone who uh, competes for or attempts to steal our devotion. It can be a person, it can be an idea, it can be anything that uh, attempts to uh, captivate us and draw our attention away from our commitment to God. So it may not be an object, but it's an idol nonetheless. In this case, it was an object, an image. It was a tall image. 90 feet tall, roughly, <clears throat> 9 feet wide. I wonder if the king was compensating. He was a king. If you're a king, you can have anything you want at any time you want it. So that would include food. And I have a sense that he wasn't a slim man, but wished he was. So perhaps the image he built was tall and slim, like he wished he could be. Either way... Uh, it, it was it was tall. The top of this church roof, I'm told, is 60 feet. The top of the spire on the steeple <clears throat> is 106 feet. So step outside and look up and imagine 90 feet, but not wide like this building is, only 9 feet wide. It was gold, all gold. Gold glistens, I'm told. I've not really seen it, but I'm told it does. And we know that in heaven, the, the sea is made of crystal, which glistens. So uh, ordinarily, that would be enticing or uh, alluring, but in this case, it was threatening because the subject who gathered knew that they must worship that and give it the devotion that the king would allow to go to, to no other. Well, that is just a reminder that God wants our devotion. No man can serve two masters. We, we know that. Uh, eventually, one will emerge uh, with preeminence. We want that one to be God and no other a person or idea. Then we have the herald. <clears throat> the herald might be considered to be a minion of the devil. He's the one that stood up there and declared what the king wanted the subjects to do. 
Well, the enemy uses masqueraders. We read uh, where uh, Paul warned of false apostles, deceitful workers, who have the capability of transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ or presenting themselves as if they uh, are devout and have your best interests in mind. But be discerning, because that uh, is not always the case. And he went on to say, it's no marvel, for Satan himself transformed himself into an angel of light. So we uh, thank God that we can be discerning, and we need not listen to the enemy's heralds. Then we have the crowd. The invitation was issued, and I suppose that those who did not receive an invitation wished they had received an invitation. But we heard in the scripture reading the uh, high esteem of those who were invited to this event. Anybody who was anybody was invited to come. It was a huge crowd, uh, perhaps into the thousands, perhaps tens of thousands. That image stood on the, the plain of Dura and could be observed from a long ways away. So they came and they stood... And that, that crowd represents perhaps the willing world who wants to fit in, blend in. Or it could represent the members of the church who capitulate and have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. I remember one of my first camp meetings Brother Carver is saying in a sermon that some people come to camp meeting and get saved. Others come to camp meeting and backslide. And perhaps he was referring to his own experience where he came with a couple of others from a CCC camp in Klamath Falls. He came searching for God. The other two who came with him, as I recall, had no interest in that. I don't say that they were any one of the three were saved, but Brother Carver went home in better shape than he came. He went home saved. The other two went downtown to live it up and went home in worse condition than they came. So following the crowd, he chose not to follow the crowd. And we will stand out by our determination not to blend in and go along with what everyone else, that's what they say, everyone else is doing it, so why shouldn't I? Well, I'll tell you why you shouldn't, because God doesn't want you to. You you, you have a determination to stand, and your goal is not to stand apart altogether. Your goal is to stand for God, and if standing for God sets you apart, so be it. We want to make heaven, and by virtue of that determination, you will at times stand apart. You will at times have to separate yourself Uh, from that crowd and do something different than what they are doing. Jesus spoke to that. Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the way, that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that uh, which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. They had asked Jesus, Are there few that be saved? Well, apparently, comparatively speaking, there are few that will be saved. Everyone who stays saved or gets saved apparently doesn't stay saved. 
But it's unnecessary for that to be your testimony. If you can get saved and stay saved, then it's not hard. Not a bit. Uh, you just have a determination to uh, continue the path that you began when you prayed through to salvation, and God will keep you. There's too many witnesses in this audience right here who have been saved a long, long time. And even if they've floundered at, at times along the way, uh, it can be said they've been saved a long, long time uh, since they redirected their determination, prayed through, they've kept the victory ever since. We can stand. Most cities have a street or an avenue called Broadway. Portland does. I think every city does. Broadway Avenue. I don't know too many cities that have a street named Narrow Way. But Broadway typically goes where the action is. In fact, anything goes. Any action is acceptable, with only a few exceptions. The way of holiness being one. But we don't name streets the narrow way for the most part because that appears to be unappealing. But I found it to be appealing when I got saved. I really did. I had driven down Broadway before I was saved in Portland looking for who knows what. Didn't find it, thanks be to God. But shortly thereafter, I got saved. And it's been a good way. And it's been a way of victory. We sang victory in Jesus. There is victory in Jesus. Then we have the band, or the orchestra, if you want to call it that. The, the, the crowd moves to its beat. It's the tune of the world. It appeals to the flesh and to the uh, baser instincts of human nature. It, it uh, includes glamour, sensuality, a provocative look. It captures attention for that reason. Hard to escape its notice. They call it high fashion. Perhaps it's more low fashion. Either way, to the Christian, it's out of fashion. We march to a different tune. We sing a different song. We have a determination to stand in a world that bows before whatever it presents. Well, the band may play or sing, but we're not going to dance. Pure religion and undefiled before God includes keeping one's self unspotted from the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. The, the world's values hold no appeal to us. We, we want to live for God because we want to be with God when we leave this world. We have the accusers. The king had elevated these three Hebrews as well as Daniel. And that created jealousy, both in this account and also almost a generation later when Daniel faced the den of lions. But here there were certain Chaldeans who observed that these Jews, they called them, had not bowed when the music played. 
Perhaps they were jealous, coveted their position, and the only way to get it was to take them down. They felt they finally had something that would do the job, same as the two presidents did in Daniel's time. Because the king had made an edict, they reminded the king of his edict. That was insulting. And perhaps on a different day, the king would have done away with those accusers for insulting his intelligence. He knew what he had said. He knew the decree that he made. But on this particular uh, occasion, these three whom he knew, he asked them, did you not hear the edict? Did you, do you not understand what is going on here today? And they gave the reply that I read. They had a choice to make. And so did the accusers. I've read that a man is free to choose, but is not free to choose the consequences of his choice. Every decision bears consequences. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. You sow good seed in a garden and tend to it. At the end of the growing season, you will harvest fruit and good fruit. On the other hand, if you, as the saying goes, sow wild oats in a garden or anywhere else and ignore it, some of it will be overcome by weeds and other um, plants that are unproductive. But either way, at the end of the harvest, you're going to end up with chaos. So there are the accusers, and then there are the accused. The three. They didn't need to deliberate. I like that. They didn't need to think this through and have a discussion amongst themselves and ask one another, what shall we do? Sometimes it's not so easy to know on a moment's, uh, on the spot, how to respond to a threat or to bullying. But in this case, it was such an egregious, uh, egregious demand that they immediately knew, there's no way, I'm not interested. Uh, that uh, The outcome of a decision such as that will, will not be productive. It will be destructive. So they had no interest in negotiating and told the king as much. He gave them a second chance, and in effect, I assume they respectfully replied, don't bother. We know what we're going to do. And if we go into that fire and uh, don't walk out, so be it. Either way, we have deliverance and a, a better outcome ahead. It was good that they stood tall. Their accusers were watching. I dare say many of the crowd had the same experience, wondering, what will they do? The band stopped. The attention was focused. Well, they didn't uh, take their stand because others were watching. They took their stand because God was watching. They had a determination to stand tall, and so they ultimately were thrown into that fire, bound, fell down bound, and soon stood up. The cords before long were off, the bonds, they had um, bound them in their clothing. I have no idea why. In a fire heated seven times hotter than it ought to be, they would have burned 
whether they were bound or not, but that's the way it was. And ultimately, they were seen walking around and perhaps even unaware of that divine companion in the fire with them. The king saw what he saw and described what he saw, but we don't see the three describing anything. We see the three coming out of the fire uh, unscathed, without even their hair singed or the smell of smoke on their bodies. The Lord will go with us. He didn't promise or assure us that we would not go into the fire. We have promises throughout the Bible that no matter what we face, he, he will be with us. And we have evidence of that by this companion in the fire with them. That's the fourth one, the final element, at least, uh, or personage in this account. The king said, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the fourth is like unto the Son of God. Well, they came out of that fire, they walked out of that fire unharmed. And we have the promise that he that hath begun a good work in us will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The Lord did not get us started in this way to drop us along the way. He got us started in this way to help us to grow, develop, learn lessons, keep going forward, and give us the, the moral character that has within us a determination to stand tall uh, when the world bows. We thank God for those who, who do and who have uh, stood tall. I think of the students among us who soon begin a new uh, academic year. And I'm sure they're all excited at the prospects. They face what many of us didn't face when we were in our school years, though we're always being schooled, as far as that goes. You never stop learning. I used to look forward to being done with school until I was done with school and learned I wasn't done at all. We never stopped learning. You have, you have challenges ahead. I noticed last year the emphasis in school was on pronouns. I'm hoping that this year the emphasis is on adverbs or subjects, or when to use I versus we in a sentence, when to use who or whom, perhaps diagramming sentences. I mean, you have an exciting year ahead of you. And you have the opportunity to stand tall no matter what is presented to you. God has put within you certain moral instincts that if cultivated, you will be able to process and discern the difference between good and evil, between what will help you to endure and, and take you to heaven as opposed to what will hinder you. So by all means, look heaven's way, whether you're a student or whether you're an adult of my age. Uh, either way, we will face challenges in the year ahead, 
But by the grace of God, we're going to stand. We have the promise that he didn't begin this work in us to abandon us. No, not by any means. He stood by the Hebrew children. He'll stand by you and me. He'll give us victory as we go along the way, as we have that loyalty and determination to serve God and to please Him. We can be sure that God will guide us a step at a time. If you don't have that determination, or even if you do have it, in this house of prayer, it's a good opportunity to drop to your knees, ask God to plant it deep within as you look His way, giving Him thanks for what He has done all, uh, already and how He's brought you this far to this moment.